Mac Power Users, episode 400. Four of our favorite things. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd here once again with my pal David Sparks. Once again? What once do you mean by that? What are you trying to say to me, Katie Floyd? For the 400th time. Hey, what do you think of the new music? It sounds a lot like the old music. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> so uh, we are celebrating 400 episodes, Katie, the show that wasn't going to make it past 10. Remember when you told me that? I vaguely remember that. And the uh, I'll never let you forget it. So I, I'm sure you'll remember it. But the um, but we uh, <laughs> when we first started, we used that great Apple uh, generated music. Um, and it was a garage band loop. Yeah, it was a garage band loop. And, it, you know, we thought that sounds cool. It kind of like knocks the idea of the show together. And then we started hearing it on other shows because it was an Apple thing. Well, commercials. I started hearing it on commercials on TV. Yeah. So so we said, okay, we need our own. And, and the, the problem is we never really agreed on what our own music could sound like. I mean, I like jazz and stuff. And it, it just, we never really. I don't. We never really got it. Johnny Niddle made that great song for us for, that we used for a long time. But as we were approaching 400, I got thinking, let's go back to our roots. Because I haven't heard that music from Apple in a long time. And in fact, we found when we went looking for it that it's really hard to find now. Apple doesn't ship it with GarageBand anymore. But Katie and David, the pack rats, had saved it. Yeah, we had saved it. So so we're using it again. And you know, I don't care if other people are using it. That's the Mac Power User song. So gang, we're sticking with the, uh, going back to our roots with the music. So I hope you like that. Well, and it's always been the Mac Power User song because that has always been since we started doing the show, your ringtone on my iPhone. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I don't need, Even, are you going to let me know what my ringtone is or it's just no? You know, I don't have a ringtone for you. Sorry. I yeah, I guess I should. I I could take one of your mini exasperation outtakes from the show or uh, I think more likely, I think I might do some, some Star Trek stuff. Like now, are you a fan of the Giacchino Star Trek or you want the original music? I think the original would be suitable. Yeah. I will go find the uh, original series music. Uh, but anyway, we are celebrating 400 episodes. Uh, we didn't know really what to do with it. We've got some ideas. We're going to talk to you about that in a minute. Before we get there, a couple little announcements. The first is a thank you to everyone who signed up for membership. Uh, Relay has now finished its membership drive, and we saw a lot of uh, listeners signed up for memberships, and and we really appreciate it. Uh, the show takes a lot of work, and um, and Katie and I both give up you know, day job stuff so we can make this happen. And that little bit of support from the listeners really helps make this, this all work. You guys are making a contribution and, and helping keep the lights on. So thank you, everybody. Uh, the other thing is uh, now that you've given us money, we're going to ask you to give money to somebody else. The uh, app camp for girls just started their big fundraiser and we're going to put a, a, a link in the show notes uh, they're, you know, they're looking to, you know, drive fundraising again for another year. It's a great thing. My, my wife and I were very involved with the one they did down here in Orange County last year. And I got to see firsthand how much those girls change over the course of a week as they build their own apps. And I think it's a great cause. If you're looking for uh, something to, to give money to, I can't think of anything better. So here we are at 400 shows. And, you know, famously, you tease me about it. We thought that we would only have 10. But yet we added it up. We have over 600 hours of Mac Power users content out there. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of content. (laughs) 600 hours. Well, you know, we usually go about an hour and a half an episode. So I just figured, yeah, 400 episodes. We're in the we're in the 600 hour ballpark. 
Um, I, I don't know whether anybody would ever want to listen to me for, for 600 hours. We also had someone mention in the Facebook group, people were kind of reminiscing about it. They said, you know, I remember the very first episodes of Mac Power Users. I just had a baby. I was on maternity leave. I was pushing the stroller in the park, listening to your episodes on my iPod. And my daughter's in middle school now. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah, you know, it is weird. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's a significant portion of our lives and uh I don't know, to me it's one of the most enriching things I've ever done. So, we're very happy to be celebrating 400 shows and and frankly, uh we have no intentions of turning the lights out. We uh, really enjoying the show. A show of this nature, there's always new content because everything's always changing and we are having so much fun. Uh, I think, Katie, I, I'm in. If you are, we're going to keep going. I, I will give you that one thing. That One thing that I have learned from Mac Power users is um, uh, there is content for shows and, and we can go more than 10 episodes. So I, I think there's a future here. Yeah, there is. So we will continue. Uh, but, you know, we also want the show to continue to evolve. So thank you for all the feedback. Please keep it coming. I mean, I just can't get over the Facebook group. I think taking on a life of its own. I, I get in there once in a while and just try and get an, a word in edgewise. There's so many folks with great ideas in there. Yeah. And it's really a, a great community. It's it's kind of one of the happy places, I think, on, on Facebook. And we do owe a great debt of gratitude to Rose and for helping to keep it a nice place in there. She wields an iron fist. And she that's does. all good. Yes, that's all good. Um, but so today is a show 400 and I wish now I had saved the tweet. Uh, a listener gave us the idea. He said, you know, why don't you wait for 500 to do the big deal? Because I think when we get to 500, we're going to do something special. Maybe we'll have a party. Would you get on a plane for show 500? I, I'd get on a plane. I'm all about parties. Let's do that. We got to figure that out. Okay. We have 100 shows to figure it out, gang. I'm already planning show 500. Ooh, we're going to have a... Let's go on a cruise. Let's do a Mac Power Users cruise for show 500. All options are open. Talk yeah. about it on Facebook. Send us an email. But <laughs> we're going to come up with something cool for five. I mean, 500 shows. We got to do something big. I mean, it's like it's like two years away. We got some time to plan it. Anyway, uh, but for show, so rather than go crazy show 400, we thought what we do today is just talk about four things. And then we have a variety of topics where we want to talk about our favorite four things. You know, uh, topics include Apple products, third party hardware, software. We run the gamut. We even at some point uh, in this outline have discussion about my favorite Star Trek episode and Katie's favorite Star Wars episode. So uh, we got a lot to cover in today's show. Uh, but we, we really want to just share some of our favorite things about these various nerdy products we talk about all the time. Yeah, I'm game. So first on our list is our, our – are we kind of stealing a thing from Top 4? Oh, I forgot about that. There is a show called Top 4. There is on this network. But but they're so indis they're so okay. We're going to put a whole season worth of top four in one episode yeah, of Mac Power Users. They're so indecisive about their top four things. I, I feel like that's we'll, we'll be better about it. Um, but so we started with um, our our favorite four Apple products, and I wasn't real clear where you were going with this. Were you going like of all time or currently existing, or I mean, is like the entire space time continuum open, or are we just sticking with current Apple products? The, the entire space time continuum is open. Oh, okay. I might change some of my answers then. Okay, I, I'll say my picks are all currently shipping products because that's where I'm at. I, I'm always happiest with what's newest. So, uh, but if you want to go back and, you know, pick the Mac 2, that's, I'm sorry, the Apple 2, that's okay with me. Well, my original 128K Mac was, you know, what really started it all. So that does hold a special place in my heart. Okay, well, why don't you make that your first pick then? Maybe I maybe I will make that my first pick. So did I did I ever tell you how I got started on the Mac? Can I can I make a story? It's for show four hundred. I can do whatever I want, right? Yes, you can. Okay, so 
I, I will start with the original 128K Mac and I will tell you the story of, of how I, I started my Mac career. So my dad went to buy, wanted to buy a computer because he owned a small business. He owned a small sporting goods store and decided that he needed a computer to do, you know, computery things like, you know, spreadsheets and, and make signs and, uh, you know, keep inventory and do other things that computers were doing. And the, the Mac was brand new. The 128K Mac had come out. And I think that he had bought this. He, I know he bought it used because I remember going with him to the guy's house where we bought it. He bought this right after the 512K Mac came out because we bought it used from someone who had upgraded to a 512, which back then was kind of unheard of because, you know, now people upgrade all the time when the newer thing comes out. But that was that was kind of a big deal. And so he bought the 128K Mac used and it came in a bag. It came in its own bag and he took me with him and we did that. And we set it up at home on the kitchen table because where else are you going to set it up? And we had McPaint and then he bought one of those original, um, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Sty was it was a style writer printers that came with them. Um, we the dot matrix. The dot, yeah. And uh, set up on the kitchen table and we had McWright and McPaint. Uh, were the ones that I remembered. And I'm sure it had other businessy stuff on it. And I think that computer just kind of sat there for a while. And, you know, I just started playing with it. And sooner rather than later, it just kind of became mine. I mean, there was no, there was an internet, but there, people didn't have the internet in their homes. You know, that was not a, a common thing. And um, so there's really nothing I could do to get in any trouble. But I, you know, started drawing pictures and printing them out and they went on the fridge. And I've got to think in retrospect, those were probably really expensive, you know, based on how things cost at the time. Uh, and if there was a problem, if something broke, you know, I just had to figure it out because nobody else was going to fix it for me. So if, if I accidentally deleted the system file off the floppy disk and, and nothing worked anymore, you know, I had to figure out how to go find another floppy disk with another system file on it and copy and put the pieces back together and do all of those things. And, you know, that was, that was kind of the start of things. So a little on my, uh, my, my, well, first of all, let me just say the way you say Mac paint and Mac, right. Is precious. How are you supposed to say it? Oh, McPaint. You, Mac yeah, yeah. You say it like it's Scottish or something. No, it's like Mac. It's the Mac paint program and the Mac, right. That's but you say Mac paint. It's, it's Mac paint. Mac yeah. paint. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I, so I, I, I started on command line computers, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I don't need to go in the whole thing, but I, I started actually, I learned how to program on a Tandy color computer, which wasn't mine. It was at Radio Shack. And I rode my Schwinn mic down there every day, literally for hours in the Radio Shack. And this kid would show up and like program the computer in the store, the demo model that people were supposed to buy. And then they would give me a cassette and I'd save the program, my basic programs of the cassette and I'd take it home and bring it back the next day. I was such a weird kid. But the, um, did you have to bring your own cassette or do you have to buy a cassette there? They gave me one because then they started using the programs I was writing to sell the computer. You know, they would put them on and then people would say, Oh, you can do that. Okay. Um, but the, um, uh, but, but the first time I got a look at the graphical user interface of the Mac, I'll never forget. I opened up the control panel and I saw the uh, mouse click speed was a, an icon for a tortoise and a hare. And that, it was like a, as silly as that sounds, it was like, whoa, you know, somebody made a computer that thinks about people rather than command line stuff. And uh, so I, it was love at first sight for me. I was a little older than you were, but anyway, uh, that's kind of great. So, so is your first pick that original Mac? Uh, why not? Sure. Let's do it. I think it should be. Okay. That's great. Making me feel bad about all my current stuff. But the, uh, 
But uh, one of my favorite Apple products, and I don't think it's seen its full potential yet, is the iPad. I just love the whole idea of the iPad. I, you know, you know, talking about Katie's Star Trek, you know, the next generation, they used to carry around those pads where they did all their work on them. And I always wanted a piece of glass that I could work off of. And I know it's got a while to go, but, you know, it's great. And some days I sit there on the couch getting work done with that thing. And it's just a delight. It makes me feel like I'm living in a future, especially as a kid who started, you know, programming 4K of RAM, you know, command line computers. It's just, we've come so far. I love that iPad. I, I, I love my iPad as well, but you know, it did not make my top four list, believe it or not. Well, I can see why it wouldn't. I mean, frankly, I'm not sure many people would have it on their top four list, but, but I do. Yeah, my um, what what made my list actually the number one on my list before I threw in my my wild card there was the iPhone. The iPhone really changed a lot. I mean, it is the computer that I always have within arm's reach most of the time now. It's the computer that's in my pocket. You know, it's it's the computer that really changed. It's the computer that I use most frequently day to day. In fact, I had a very, very busy weekend this weekend. I was hosting a baby shower for my sister-in-law and I had a lot of family in town, I had a lot of things going on. Um, and I, I knew that I was going to have, um, you know, potentially the kids up playing, you know, who were coming to the my house, um, playing up in my office. So I, I disconnected my computer and stuck it in a drawer because I, you know, I didn't want them messing stuff up. And I realized on Monday morning that my computer stayed in the drawer all weekend long. And it was because of having the iPhone and the iPad that that wasn't a big deal anymore. I mean, I, I, until the iPhone came into existence, I don't remember ever going a day with it. I mean, when, whenever I would have to send my computer into Apple care for repair and be without it, it I mean, it was, it was a huge deal. And now it, I just I stuck it in a drawer for three days and didn't think anything about it. I, it's iOS 11 and just all the, the improvements they've made. It, it's it's come to pass for all of us. I mean, we're all pushing towards this mobile computer world. In some ways, I feel like the, the, the desktop computer was just the warm-up for what we're heading into. That's one of the reasons I'm excited about continuing to do this show, because I think we really are in this massive change right now. Uh, but uh, my next pick for favorite Apple products of all time is the 5K iMac. Um, I, I've had several Macs over my lifetime. I've There's none that I've loved as much as this beautiful, beautiful 5K Mac that I'm looking at right now and I want to hug. Did you see Jason Snell had a spider stuck under the oh, screen of his iMac? That's so horrible. I, I mean, Apple needs to help him out with that. Yeah, but but mine has is spider-free. Uh, I don't work in the garage. So that helps. Uh, but the uh, I just love this computer. It is so gorgeous. And I look at, you know, I like go to a family member's house and they've got an old Mac or even an old PC and they want me to do something. And I look at the screen on it and my eyes hurt. I just can't get over how spoiled I am with this gorgeous 27 inch screen. Um, I love working on this computer. I, it is absolutely my, absolutely my favorite Mac, even more so than the original one with the little tortoise and the hair icons. I, this is an amazing computer. Yeah, I guess if I had to pick another Apple product, I would pick Mac OS and not any specific variant of Mac OS. In fact, I still, as we record this, have not installed Sierra on my main machine yet. Um, but I think just the Mac operating system, although people would argue it's maybe been neglected for a while and it hasn't gotten quite the, the love and attention that it's need and iOS is the new darling, Mac OS is for all of these years what has allowed me to get my work done. You know, I, I run a business on Mac OS. 
I run a podcast on Mac OS. Uh, it, it is the most delightful operating system and it, it lets me get work done. It lets me play. It lets me use my computer. I mean, for all of these years, it, it is the, if, if I had to run a PC, but yet could run Mac OS on it, if I had to choose between Apple hardware and Apple software, uh, I think I would choose the software any day. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love them both, but this is what allows me to do my work and and be delighted by the time that I do it. So I, I think if I had to pick an Apple product, you didn't say they had to be physical products, uh, Mac OS would be the one. I, I would say that it's not the most delightful. I think the, that's where I picked the iPad is I think that's the delightful, but it's certainly the most powerful. I mean, when you really need to get something done hard, uh, a Mac seems like the way to go. Um, the uh, okay, so my for my next one, uh, I don't know if this is my favorite all time product, but boy, it, it's just at the front of my mind right now is the AirPods. Man, I love these AirPods. I use them so much every day. For someone like me who spends a lot of the time on the phone, uh, you can make calls on them. They sound great. I can you know I do my exercising. I can listen to podcasts or music, and they fit in my pocket. I love the way that the case charges the the AirPods for you. I love the way that there's no cords. I, you know, I used to, when I did yard work, I would always get the cords stuck on the doorknob. You know, there's like a garage door. I'd go out and I'd go get the blower or whatever. And then that cord gets stuck on the doorknob. And then my, my head feels like it's going to get yanked off my body. You've, you've had that experience, right? Walking around. Yeah, with these. I, that, that happens. It's terrible. The AirPods fix all of that. And like one of the other things I do, like I make all these calls, when I'm when I know I'm going to make a lot of calls, I hot swap them. I take one out and put it in the case, and I just make the calls off one ear. And as that one starts to wear down, I just swap ears. Um, there's just so many great ways to use that product, and um, I think it speaks well of of what Apple's doing. They, they've been under a lot of heat the last few years about they're not doing it good enough. Well, the AirPods is a product that shows that Apple still got it, and um, and I really like them. So uh, since I picked Mac OS, it's it's no. F- surprise that I'm a huge fan of the Mac. And I was sitting here looking at my MacBook Pro and thinking, you know, maybe I should really pick this as one of my favorite Apple products, but it's fine. But the reality is it's not, um, you know, it's, it's not my favorite laptop that I've ever had. It's, it's a great laptop. It's certainly the fastest and the most powerful laptop that I've ever had. But it also was a laptop that came with a lot of compromises. You know, I had to go to Dongle Town and buy all kinds of things. And it's got this touch bar that I'm not really sure that I use. And I just, you know, I feel like I paid a premium for it and yet still had a lot of compromises. But I don't know that at current there is any other machine that I would buy. I mean, of all the products that Apple makes, it's the right machine for me to buy right now. So if I had to pick my favorite Mac of the recent past, I would have to pick the MacBook Air because the MacBook Air, particularly the second generation MacBook Air, was I think the really the last time for me that Apple hit that sweet spot. Uh, you know, the first generation was really under, underpowered. The second generation was really a nice machine with a very compact form factor, but still had a reasonable number of ports. Um, it, it was a time when that super fast SSD and it had a reasonable amount of RAM and you could, you could upgrade it and you had uh, USB ports and you could connect it to just about anything. Uh, the MacBook Air was just a killer machine. And I ended up getting a couple of different generations of them and using them for, for years and years uh, before I upgraded to the MacBook Pro. The, um, so for my fourth pick, I couldn't decide between the Apple Watch and iOS 11 because iOS 11 is such a monumental change in a way you can get work done on your, on your iPad. So I asked myself, if you have to give up one of these things, what would you give up? 
And as much as it would hurt, I would give up my Apple Watch to keep iOS 11. Um, so I guess iOS 11 is my fourth pick. I really, I mean, I've, there were so many problems because I wanted so badly. Yeah, I already shared my bias that I love the iPad. I wanted so badly to make it work that I've been fighting against it for many years on things where it's super difficult. And iOS 11 um, smooths over so many rough edges and makes it so much easier to just get work done on the iPad than ever before. Uh, working with multiple files and just all the, you know, all the really rough spots we had are, are much better now. So I, um, I'll pick iOS 11 as my fourth pick. So I picked the Apple watch as my fourth pick before I initially threw in the 128 K Mac in there because the Apple watch has really fundamentally changed the way that I use my iPhone by allowing me to disconnect from my phone. And I think the the LTE, although I still have not been able to successfully activate LTE on my watch yet, but I think that's more a problem with my plan than it is with Verizon at this point. I think the LTE will even expand that. But uh, I think we have this problem in general of being kind of zombified by our iPhones and always feeling the need to be overconnected to them and always checking to see what's going on or am I missing something? And as a result, we step outside of them. You know, we lose the moment because we're always focused on this this little device that we have in our pocket. Uh, and the Apple Watch was what allowed me to use the device in my pocket when I need to, but to also be able to ignore it all the other times, because I feel like if something really important happens, I'm going to know about it. it, it I was uh, at Disneyland the other day with the family and I was just, I was just trying to be aware of smartphones just as we were walking around how people were using them, what context they were using them. Obviously there were a lot of people taking pictures, but also you'd see people waiting around in line and you know that I forget the name, what's the game where you hold the phone up to your forehead and it, it shows a, a word and everybody acts it out. Are you familiar with this game? I'm not familiar with this game. Oh, it's very popular. And I, the name escapes me. I'll find it and put it in the show notes. But it's a great game. It's like the person who holds the phone doesn't see what's on the card. So it'll say Superman. And you hold it on your forehead. And everybody starts acting like Superman. Then you say Superman. And they're like, right. And then you like you you flip your fingers. And then it gives another another word. And like when you're in line at the um, at Disneyland, it's a great game to play because it, you know, it's easy and you can spend time and have fun with each other. And I was just looking at, man, the world is so different with the iPhone. It, it's just hard to believe what a, a change in the way we do everything is that, that that brought us. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Text Expander. You can learn more by heading over to textexpander.com slash MPU. Now, this is one of our favorite things episodes. So you've already heard me talk a little bit about Text Expander, or you will a little later in this episode, and about how Text Expander has helped me up my game and multiply my productivity. And imagine if you could take the power of Text Expander and multiply it across your entire team. Well, you can, because now Text Expander is available for Teams, and Text Expander for Teams is a productivity multiplier. It is a shared knowledge base from which your entire team can communicate quickly and accurately. So we know that Text Expander is super handy for saving you time, but now your whole team can benefit. So here's some examples. 
All of your team's common replies can be written by your best writers, and it can be immediately accessible through search or hotkeys or your short text expander snippet abbreviations. And it's available across all of your various platforms, whether it be Mac or iOS, and yes, now Windows. So Alone Text Expander is an amazing utility, which will save you as an individual tons of time typing. But as a team, Text Expander is a platform for increasing your productivity. Now, there are lots of teams out there that are boosting their productivity with Text Expander, including groups like Shopify, Nation Builder, Automatic, Tumblr, and our friends over at 1Password. With Text Expander, you never have to type the same email address again, the same chunk of text, the same brand message, the same catchphrase, the same list of directions, or anything. Instead, you collect them all in your personal knowledge base and pull them up instantly when you need them. And best of all, you're going to make sure that all of those snippets are consistent across your brand. If you want to learn more about how to implement Text Expander for yourself or for your team, head over to TextExpander.com slash NPU. And thanks to the folks at Text Expander for their support of Mac Power users. So moving on to our our next four, uh, you had the category of third-party hardware. Yeah, I mean, we're nerds. There's other stuff, other people making cool stuff. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about, of all the the crazy stuff you and I have bought over the years, uh, what are the ones that really stuck out for you? And, um, And my first one, I think by far winner, is Sonos. I, uh, I resisted. Uh, this is something the listeners pushed me on for literally years. And I finally bought one. And, I, and it, exactly what I, I was afraid of happened, happened. They sound great. Then I bought another and I bought another. And uh, so I've got several of them. I'm not going to admit on the show how many we have in our house now. But let's just say that if I want to play music as I walk around my house, I can at this do, point. Do they outnumber you at this point? Um, yes, they outnumber the people just okay. barely, but they do. Um, so, uh, so I love these Sonos. They're, they're wonderful speakers. I know lately it's kind of like, uh, the thing for podcasters to say Sonos is going to die because, you know, Apple's making a speaker and, and Amazon has a speaker, but I honestly, I don't see how they can replace that quality. And, and like, you know, just like, for instance, I have the Sonos set up with my TV. So it's like a surround sound system and, you know, they, they, if you really go at Sonos, right, it's pretty impressive. And, and then they just did, made a bunch of announcements this week. So um, they're going to support AirPlay, too, uh, which is going to be great. Uh, so even if you're using Apple Music, you can drive music to your Sonos system with your voice. Knock on wood. Well, and I can't say her name, but Amazon's lady is also going to be built into some of the Sonos. Which is even better if you like to if you use Spotify or um, if you like to use the Amazon Echo, they've got a new Sonos speaker with the Amazon Echo built right in. So uh, I, I think they're probably okay. But the um, either way, I it's the best. I've never had nice speakers in my life. You know, it's one of those things when you've got kids and you're, you're trying to save money. Um, you just never really go crazy buying speakers. Uh, I, I remember when we first got married, I got like for a hundred bucks a surround sound system. And I'm using air quotes now, but the. Uh, but when I finally upgraded to these things, it just improved the experience so much. And, and I love music so much that that we use them a lot. So my first pick is going to be the ScanSnap. And for full disclosure, they're a sponsor. So I, I they're sponsor today. Are they sponsor today? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't I won't go too much in depth. I'll I'll save that for the ad spot. But um going to a I will say going to a paperless lifestyle 
has been freeing and it has um, not only been – I've been paperless personally for a long time and David, I know you, you wrote the book on going paperless. Um, but it's it's been freeing in my personal life just to get rid of all this paper. But it has been a total game changer in my work life going without paper. Uh, it has allowed me to process things much more efficiently. It has saved me. I, I'm sure it has saved me thousands if not tens of thousands of dollars uh, in terms of not having to have man hours to go through paper, not having to have physical retail space. Um, you know, to go and store paper, um, just being able to have everything electronically, to be able to pull it up at my fingertips, uh, to not have to look at just all the mess has just been absolutely freeing. And uh, the ScanSnap, I still believe, is is the best tool for doing that, particularly if you're a Mac user. If you're still trying to scan things uh, without a true document scanner, you, you've really missed the boat. I had a uh, client ask me for a contract that I wrote like 15 years ago. It was just a very old deal. And he's like, Hey, do you, I know this is crazy, but do you have a copy of that? You know, he asked me and, uh, and he, he says, I understand if you have to go to storage or whatever. I'm like, no. And I, I sent him the contract while we were on the phone call together. And, uh, he was very happy. And it's nice when your clients are happy because that means they're going to probably stick around a while, but that that's due, due to the paperless stuff. Um, okay, for my second uh, third-party hardware pick, I'm going to pick, this is a former sponsor of our show, but it's a little device that I just love so much. It's the automatic. Um, it's a thing that plugs into the data port in your car. And I, uh, when they sponsored the show, they gave me one. Then I bought one for my wife and my daughter because I the, the features are great and it allows me to kind of, um, like if they're in an accident, I get a text message. And it just like takes you know, these relatively old cars and makes them kind of smart cars when they stopped sponsoring the show at some point and uh, they came out with a new one and I bought the new one to replace my old one because the new one has even better connection and uh, the ability to send me location data uh, even when I'm not connected to a phone. So they, they added some new features and um, I am always about these little nerdy things that can take something that is okay and make it a lot more awesome. And I feel like that's a piece of technology that I still use every day. It's great. I I had my car was in the shop last weekend and I was kind of on a time crunch and I had no idea. I, I, I mean, I do know now because it has the LTE built in, but I'd, I'd forgotten about that. And so I, I mean, I'm across town and all of a sudden I get a notification on my phone because I knew that I saw them take my car back into the shop, but I, I left, someone came and picked me up, but I got a notification on my phone that my car had moved and was parked. I was like, huh. My car must be ready. And, you know, nobody called me to tell me my car was ready for a while after. I'm like, you can go ahead and drop me back off. My car's ready. And they're like, well, how do you know? Nobody's called. I'm like, trust me, my car's ready. It's fine. It's great. And then, like, when you combine it with If This Then That or Google Docs, I mean, uh, you can really go far down the nerd hole with this. But but it's a uh, I don't know. I really like that that little bit of tech. Um, another one I'm going to pick is the Synology. I, I'm really become a fan of the smart network attached storage and this, I, I've, for years, I've loved having a big bucket of storage connected to my computer because it keeps me from having all of these external hard drives with who knows what random data stuck on them. And, you know, do I plug this one in or do I plug that one in? And so now I've just got, you know, one big bucket of storage on my Synology that all of my data is on and I know that it's it's got some data protection and I know that it's backed up through Backblaze and all of those things going on it. Um, but it's also got some smarts in it. So it can do things like be a VPN server and it can also be a Plex server. 
um, and it can, um, you know, share files and it can have cloud storage options. Uh, I mean, it's just, I'm only using, oh, it, it manages all of my, um, my cameras so that I'm storing all of my data for videos that I'm taking locally as opposed to in the cloud. I mean, it just does an amazing job and I'm only using it to a fraction of its potential. Um, but I just, I, every time I, I have some free time, I try to go in and explore what are, what are more things that I can do with this. Uh, and it just never ceases to amaze me. You know, it's funny because I'm going the opposite direction on that. The, um, as I've said in the past, my, uh, we have a big master bedroom. So a corner of that serves as my, my office. Although that may be changing. My oldest daughter is talking about, you know, moving on. So I make it a, an office system. I, I'm really mixed, Katie. I don't want her to leave, but I do like the idea of having my own office. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, my wife was saying, you know, that those, those tree lights on that, um, that Drobo and the noise it makes, is there any way we could not have that in our bedroom anymore? And cause I have a Drobo directly connected and I got thinking, well, She's right. And you can turn the lights down, but I just decided, well, let me try to go without it. So electrical tape. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was doing with electrical tape, but you can still hear it. It's got a fan. And um, so I uh, ultimately I, I shut it down and uh, I got a couple six terabyte portable hard drives. You know, they're so cheap anymore. And I Velcroed one to the bottom of the desk and and now I got all that space back on top of the desk by getting the Drobo off. And I I've put the thing there and then I've got a backup regimen. It's not as, it's not as secure as having a Drobo because the Drobo is always backing up. And it's, if, if a drive, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like it. We used to do ad spots for them. You probably remember, but the, um, but at the same time, it is a lot cleaner. So I, I don't know if I'm going to connect it back up or not, but right now I'm not using any kind of network detached storage. Well, yours was not network attached. Yours was direct attached, right? Yeah. Um, the, the beauty about network attached is mine's stuck in a closet. Yeah. As long as you've got Ethernet in there or, you know, you're good. But for me, because my iMac is always on, a lot of the advantages of that are, are lost on me, you know, because I, I can run scripts off the iMac and I can uh, serve media up to the, the fan. like I can run a Plex server off this and do other things. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh uh, so my next pick for third-party hardware, though, is one that's recent to my life. We're going to talk about this a lot in a few weeks when we have Robert on to talk about um, home automation. But, man, these Lutron switches, I talked about them a little bit last week with Merlin. They're just a game changer. Uh, putting your lights on switches uh, a lot with HomeKit enabled, uh, it really made a difference for us. That's all I'm going to say about that because we've got a whole show coming up. On yeah, it, I'm I'm really looking for these, but I will also say, and I, I think I said it on the show, if anybody has of any, I am looking for a switch, like a wall switch that will control um, light lights that will work both with HomeKit and with Amazon Echo. So if anybody knows of them, they, the ones I found so far tend to be either or. So drop me a note. Is that true for Lutron? I, they don't support Amazon. I I don't even know. I, I've seen I, they have. I have seen Lutron ones that support Echo, and I've seen ones that support. HomeKit, but I haven't seen them do, do both. I okay. I but you know, can you, know. I I think it supports both. I will find out, but not right now, and okay. I'll let you know. All right, let me know. Uh, my next pick, speaking of which, is the Amazon Echo. Although I love HomeKit, um, a, the Amazon Echo. I'm not going to say your name is is still my pick right now for um, one off commands on all of my. Um, all of my home automation devices. And I still love using the Amazon Echo um, in my kitchen for a basic Bluetooth speaker and listening to podcasts and setting timers and checking the news and 
um, checking what's on my calendar for the upcoming day or um, I, I've got these things scattered all over my house. I've got a, a big echo in my kitchen and I've got dots in my bedroom and in my office. Uh, it's just great to be able to call out and get an answer to a question or, or play a song or find out what's on my calendar or, or do any of those other things. Uh, it's it's everything that I want Siri to be in a little more and I'm, I'm finding more and more uses for it. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll second that. I think that's that's also my third party for my fourth pick is the Amazon Echo. It's it's great. It's I I would like like there's a lot of things it doesn't do for me uh, because I'm in the Apple ecosystem. But the uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Apple does when they get this HomePod if they can you know if they can do something along these lines. But but you know, first of all, I think you got to give Amazon props for even making the Echo. Because nobody else was trying to make a, a voice in a can before Amazon. They get some credit for that. So since you seconded mine, is it my turn again? Yeah, it's your turn again. Okay. So you remember I mentioned my car was in the shop this weekend. Yeah. It was not in the shop because it was broken. Well, it kind of was broken, but it was it was a um it was elective surgery, I guess is is what I should say. <laughs> Did your car get a facelift? Uh kind of, yes. It um so I I have an older car. I have a 2003, but it's a it's 2003 with super super low mileage. It's um I I I love this car and I I I literally will drive it another 10 years if I can. But um it David it has a tape deck in it. Um and it's very embarrassing to uh, plug your iPhone into um, a cassette tape adapter. Yeah, with the little cord. Hanging with the little out cord back. hanging out, it's very wonky. Uh, and a couple of years ago, maybe not a couple. Okay, maybe it's been a couple of years. Um, I found a, a sp- there was a very specific manufacturer that made a very specific Bluetooth adapter that would work with with my car's model radio. Um, because my my car had a specific head unit that you you couldn't just pull it out and change it with a you know with one of these boxed head units you you so um I found this bluetooth adapter but unfortunately it's been flaky it's been 2 years and thankfully it's been under warranty but I've already had to replace it twice because it's failed so for the past month I've been driving around with the cassette tape again but I really want my car to work with Bluetooth. So I went back to the shop, the shop that I, I got this done in is kind of one of these custom shops. It's, um, you know, you go in and they've got like chrome wheels and all these, these stereos and, and face, you know, head units and all these other things. And I feel totally out of my element there, but I, I go in and I'm like, look, we, we got to do something different. This is the second one in two years that has failed. What are the other options? And the guy said, well, you know, let me let me look at it. Let me research it. And it took them a while, but they finally came back to me and they said, so they now make a third party adapter kit for your car where we can now take your head unit out and put a more stock head unit in. And that freaked me out. But I said, oh, OK, they, they pulled it out and they showed it to me and it, it, they, it was a good match. And so this weekend I installed an Apple Play or I'm sorry, a CarPlay kit in my 2003 car. Oh, what a game changer. What a game changer. Yes. Uh, it, it is. I, I now have a touch screen where my tape deck used to be. Yeah. That, that, you know, the car play doesn't get enough credit. We, we heard from several listeners that got car play in their cars and even one of them lived locally says, Hey, I'll take you for a ride in it. But my, my sister's car has car play and I spend a lot of time in her car. And it is so much better. Like I have a Ford that's got the Ford Sync system, you know, the Microsoft thing. I actually have a Microsoft label in my car. Isn't that kind of nuts? 
but the uh, you know it, it it just doesn't work. I mean, I uh, the the thing the sync does for me is it allows my Bluetooth on my phone to connect to my car stereo, and that's about it. I I wish I had CarPlay in my car, but it's got of course one of those weird dashes where you can't just stick something else on top of it. Well, you would be surprised because mine had that too, and now they made they make an, a special custom adapter kit for my car. Yeah, but with the way um, like the Ford is, the the sync system is tied into so many of the controls for the car. Like you can turn the air conditioning on and stuff. You just, there's no way around it. But so my car is too new to get that. But man, I really like CarPlay. So what, what do you like about it? Well, so my it works two ways. Um, be, because it's an aftermarket unit, it does not work wirelessly with CarPlay. It has to be plugged in to work with CarPlay. But it also has backup Bluetooth on it. So if I'm just going down to the grocery store, which is you know a quarter mile away, I won't plug into CarPlay. I'll just you know I'll just Bluetooth, and everything still works just like it did. I've got hands-free calling and all of that. But when I plug into CarPlay, now it will read my text messages. I'll have access to Siri. Apple Maps is on CarPlay. It will it will read me notifications of anything that's coming up. It has overcast support in CarPlay, which is huge. Thank you, Marco, for taking the time to do that. That was amazing. It's It's been a game changer. Um, it's, it obviously will charge while it's, while it's synced in and plugged in. And I mean, have I mentioned that I now have a touchscreen where there used to be a tape deck? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, nice. But, but for if, it was probably, I would say, uh, you know, $600 or so investment. And, and I got a little bit of a kickback because they gave me credit for the busted unit that was still under warranty. But if you're in a car that, that you think you're going to keep for some period of time and you spend any significant amount of time in the car, which, which I do, I travel, um, to county to county for my, for my job to, to different courthouses sometimes. I, I would tell you, <sighs> If you're going to keep the car for any amount of time, it, look and see. And I really had to go to a specialty shop and they had to research it to find out my options and to see that, yes, they do make an adapter. And yes, it, it did work with my car. But uh, I was just so thrilled with the results. I think your last pick might be your first pick for favorite third party hardware. Well, I would say that, except it's it's three days old. So, you know, still has the new the new uh, the new technology bloom. It does because they had to they had to disconnect where my AC vents are. So when I get in the car, it still has that smell because they had to disconnect and reconnect the AC vents. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Enter offer code MPU at checkout to get ten percent off your first purchase. Katie and I want to thank Squarespace for sponsoring today's show and sponsoring a lot of the Mac Power Users over our four hundred show run. Squarespace is the service that lets you easily create a website for your next big idea. With a unique domain name and award-winning templates and more, you can make your next move with Squarespace. Maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio, or maybe you're ready to start your big blog. It doesn't matter what you want to do on the internet, Squarespace is there to support you. One of the reasons I personally use Squarespace for both Max Sparky and my law practice is that it's all in one. Once you sign up for Squarespace, everything that you need to be handled gets handled. They have beautiful designs for templates. They do the hosting for you. They can even get you the URL domain name if you need it. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it covered. Before I went to Squarespace, I had web services where I had to always worry that the plugins were still working and that I wasn't getting hacked. I just don't have those concerns anymore with Squarespace. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and 
And the Squarespace templates are really beautiful. They have a bunch of them, and no matter what you want to do with the web, they've got some place for you to start. If you want to have a wedding, they've got wedding-based templates. If you want to have a blog, they've got that. If you want a store, they've got store-based templates as well. And the best part is once you start using those templates, you can start bending them to your will. If you look at MaxSparky.com, for instance, it doesn't look like any of the built-in Squarespace templates. It started with one. I used their design principles. But then I started changing typography and moving things around until it looked like the way I wanted to have it. And I love that. People that go to my site aren't going to look at it as some kind of pre-canned website. It's truly something I created on my own with Squarespace. And you get all of that starting at $12 a month. So head over to squarespace.com and sign up. Make sure to use the offer code MPU when you sign up to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the Mac Power users. And make something beautiful for the web. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. Katie Floyd, this is Mac Power Users. Let's talk about some Mac apps. You want to you go first? Uh, we can talk about Mac apps. So uh, four favorite Mac apps. I got to pick one password. I don't know. Are they sponsoring this episode? I don't think so. But they full disclosure, they are a sponsor. But um, it, I, we've said it before and I won't dwell on it. There's so much in this world that you cannot control, you know, from data breaches to security breaches to all kinds of things. The only thing you can is your own habits and what you do. And if you are not using a password manager, even if it's not one password, if you're not using a password manager, you absolutely positively have to do that. You cannot reuse the same password over and over again. You cannot have poor password habits. Uh, it, it's just something you've got to let go of and 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 start doing this right. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to a listener who uh, who was just saying how the go and fill in 1Password changed his life. Just the ability to click one button, have it go open the Safari and, and log in for you. They, they do a lot of good stuff in that app. The, um, the other one, and I'm sorry ahead of time, because a couple of the picks we have today are, are sponsors. And this is not a, um, this is not a purchased pick. <laughs> this is truly love. And uh, of course, my first pick for favorite Mac app is OmniFocus, because I just, I do a lot of things. I, you know, when I think, stop and think about it sometimes, my life is completely nuts between having kids and doing some stuff in the local community and running a law practice and running two podcasts and a publishing business. It's just nuts. And the only way I'm able to do this stuff, I think the reason I was able to get myself on a spot to be able to do this stuff, and the only way I can keep doing this stuff without going completely crazy is that I have a very good system for tracking what actually needs to get done and what can wait. And it's OmniFocus. I, I love that app so much. We, we did a show on it way back when. We haven't really done a full show on OmniFocus or task management in a long time. Maybe next year I'll, I'll start testing out uh, competitors and we can, we can go back and look at it seriously. But boy, it, and as a nerd, it's weird that I stick with an app so long, but this app just does the job so well for me. I, I really love it. Um, I, I will second that OmniFocus was actually my, my fourth pick. So I'll, I'll go ahead and, and mention it now, but I picked it for Mac app because I still use OmniFocus primarily on the Mac. Um, I, I use it to quick add things on the phone and on the iPad or, or to, you know, check off things on the phone or the iPad or see where I am. But my main use of OmniFocus at this point is, is still on the Mac. So I, that's why I picked it as a, as a Mac app. That makes sense. Uh, so it's back. The ball's back in my court again. Yeah, back in your court. Uh, the the other picks I have are largely automation style picks. 
this is really tough for me because I mean, I use like apps like Microsoft Word and Pages and and all sorts of applications all the time to actually produce work. But I think the ones that really I find love for are the ones that help me automate work and get things done faster. Now that I, I run two separate uh, uh, owned businesses, uh, automation tools are more important than ever. And I guess I'll start with Hazel. Uh, um, Hazel's an amazing application. We've done several shows on it in the past. It It basically allows you to write... <laughs> It's like a, it's like an easy Apple scripting app. It, you can pick files and it can automatically uh, sort them for you and move them to places and rename them. But, you know, when I deal with the the nonsense that comes in just with the day-to-day stuff of running my businesses, if I need to save receipts or save emails or whatever, uh, I always find just taking a few seconds to make a hazel rule just keeps me sane. Just as an example, earlier today, as we were preparing for today's show, uh, I've got a special folder that saves all these podcast raw files as we record the podcast. And then I do some, I do some things with them. And, and one of the things I do is um, I put it, apply a tag to a file when, uh, when it's ready to go to the editor and I just apply a tag, then Hazel automatically copies it to the right folder. Katie gets her copy and all that's done for me. And what I noticed was that folder was full of uh, files that I, I hadn't gone through and cleaned them out. So I took another three seconds and made a hazel rule that says if there's anything in here that's older than two months, because anything I record for a podcast within two months is already published, just delete it. And suddenly I just knocked out gigabytes of storage on my drive that I didn't need anymore. And um, and now I never have to think about that problem again because hazel will solve that for me. It, it will always be watching that folder and always deleting two month old files. Yeah, Hazel would definitely be um, on my list as well. But probably my next pick, and again, I'm so sorry it's a sponsor, but how fortunate are we, David, to have such great sponsors that their their apps are truly some our favorite picks? That's that's pretty cool. But um, I got I got to pick Text Expander. Um, Text Expander, particularly, I still have to use a PC for a few things. Um, I'm not necessarily a true PC, but a you know virtual PC because uh, I'm not going to have a true PC in my office. But um, and now that Text Expander has gone into the cloud, the fact that it has PC support is is huge. But I my brain now thinks in Text Expander, so that anytime I find myself writing the same thing more than once, I always create a Text Expander snippet, and I have saved so much time. Uh, with with text expander, just being able to do the same words and same phrases and same paragraphs. I, I mean, I'm sure there are other professions like this, but it seems like attorneys in particular, uh, we reuse the same boilerplate over and over and over and over again. In fact, they just had a webinar that I I didn't get to attend in person, but briefly. But they they sent me the um they sent me the video of it about um, attorneys using text expander, and I want to go back and see if I can pick up any any tips from that. But um, text expander would be my next pick. Yeah, when I when I really and I'll I'll add to that. Uh, that's one of my favorites too. When when we released the sixty Mac Tips book, Brett and I had a list of people, you know, friends that have blogs and podcasts. We wanted to get copies out to and kind of give them the the links and the details of the uh, of the the book. So I had a text expander snippet I wrote that it goes through. First of all, you you go in the subject line, and all I would just write would be tips six one. So it's it's tip 60 tips version two. So I write tips six, six I'm sorry, I write tips six, two. That was my snippet code. And you do it in the subject line. It would fill in the subject line announcing that we had this new book. It hit the tab key 
And then it would go down to the top of the body of the message. And it, I used a little Apple script that I wrote that, that gets the name of the person from the email. So if I'm writing an uh, email to Katie, it says, hi, Katie. I don't even have to type in, you know, her name in a fill-in field. It actually just does a little script in Text Expander. Then it goes through and fills out everything. And before I, I fire the script off, I copy the uh, promo code so she can get the free download. And it takes the copy buffer and inserts it inside the email. So, um, all I had to do to send those emails out was, was you know, pick a, the recipient and then write tips 6-2 and everything else happened. And uh, Brett and I were on messages together at the time as we were putting together the list. And I was just sending them out as fast as he was writing them down on the list. And once we got done, you know, making the list of the people we want to send them to, he's like, okay, how many do you, you know, which ones do you want to do? And I'm like, they're all done. <laughs> you know, there's no, and he didn't believe me, but they were all sent as fast as he was typing them into the, the quip document. So, um, it's, uh, it's an amazing tool <laughs> to say the least. And since I, since I added on, I guess it's your turn. So what's your last one? Uh, my last one's going to be Dropbox. And I know you're going through an iCloud phase right now, David, but <laughs> yes, <I am. laughs> Drop, Dropbox was really the first of its kind in, in this type of arena. The, this, it got syncing right. Um, and I use Dropbox for my business. I use Dropbox for my personal stuff. We use Dropbox for Mac power users. There are so many things I do that are connected to Dropbox and that would not be possible, uh, without a Dropbox share. And so I'm, I'm still a fan. I pay for Dropbox. Um, I just can't imagine doing my work without it. So, Katie, what you're saying is iCloud is the service you want to date, but Dropbox is the service you want to marry. I don't even know that I want to date iCloud. I don't know that I trust it that much, but. <laughs> All right, we're going to do some content on that because iCloud is 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 doing great for me. Except there are parts that Dropbox that I still can't do with iCloud. So you're right. Um, okay, my last pick is one that I am really getting into hardcore on my Mac lately, and that's Keyboard Maestro. We've done some shows on it in the past, but uh, the last several months I've just kind of taken the approach of anytime I do something uh, that feels repetitive to me that I can't solve with Text Expander or uh, Hazel, uh, can I solve that problem with Keyboard Maestro? Um, so I, uh, so I solve it and uh, like a, a good example is when we finish recording, it will automatically open the right folder for me to, uh, to do some post-production stuff for the show. So keyboard master is great. All right. Well, so we've, we've talked about Mac apps. I know you're on an iPad kick. What about, what about iPad apps? What are our top four iPad apps? And I, I noticed just looking at our outline here without spoiling it, yours are very different than mine. Yeah. I tried to pick, um, but actually looking at ours, it's interesting. And you, you dear listener can see this afterwards. Katie's are more content consumption, mine are more content creation. And, uh, but the, uh, I tried to make sure I didn't pick apps that I already picked for the Mac. So these are all different picks. Uh, one of them that I really have come to love is Ulysses. It's just so powerful, uh, for someone who likes to do a lot of writing and the ability to, it syncs very uh, solidly. I know it's kind of controversial because now they're on a subscription plan. A lot of people don't like that. But, um, man, it's really been great as I've been trying to get my arms around getting more books published and, and getting more stuff created. Uh, Ulysses has become an essential tool for me. You're exactly right. I was going to say the same thing. You'll you'll notice that I, although I do use my iPad for work, my favorite activities on my iPad are consumption activities. And so one of the things that I, my favorite place to read 
Twitter and to catch up because I, I get a lot of news. I get a lot of information on Twitter. My favorite place to do that is on the iPad. So TweetBot is probably one of my favorite and most used apps on the iPad. Uh, I know Twitterific just relaunched and I may want to check that out. But TweetBot for years has been my my Twitter application of choice. And uh, I use it on the Mac. I use it on the iPhone. I use it on the iPad. But the iPad is by far my preferred experience for that. All right. For my next pick, I, uh, there's a music, um, reading app. It, it allows you to take pictures of or take scans or PDFs of sheet music and it displays it. And I know that sounds like just a PDF app, but it's so much more. It's called Fourscore. And if you like to play music, uh, it's just a great solution. It's something that could only exist on the iPad. And for someone who grew up a long time ago playing music where we had to carry these big folders around, uh, having everything on my iPad is is kind of awesome, and I really love it. So it's called Fourscore. Yeah, kind of picking up on my theme, um, although Mr. Reader was my favorite, it is now discontinued. So I had to go back to Reader with two E's. Uh, is my favorite RSS reader. I still use RSS. I know a lot of people have given up on RSS in, in favor of just using Twitter and, and other things, but I still use RSS. In fact, it is my morning and probably my evening routine because those are the two times I try to catch up on things um, to pick up my iPad, almost like a newspaper, to pick up my iPad that's sitting on my bedside table um, and to go through Twitter and to go through all of my RSS feeds and save off what I want to read later and save things to Pinboard and save things to other places that I want want to investigate. But that's where I do all of my consumption of those types of things is using TweetBot and using Reader on my iPad, usually first thing in the morning and last thing at night. I, I'm still uh, a big RSS fan too. I, I think in order to be able to get your news just reading Twitter, you have to be in Twitter a lot. There's times when I go in there and then there's once I leave, I'm I'm not, I don't leave it open. In fact, that's one of my keyboard maestro strips. If if the Twitter uh, tweet bot stays open on my Mac more than five minutes, um, keyboard maestro shuts it down because <laughs> it's a, a way to keep myself from spending, you know, dropping 30 minutes into Twitter without realizing it. The application just shuts down for me after five minutes. You know, Marco Arment had that app called Quitter. I don't know if he still has it, but that w- would do that as well. Yeah, well, actually, I don't sh- I don't quit the app. I hide it. So, but the, uh, it's the same effect. It's, it minimizes the window and I'm like, oh, wait, what did I just do? And then I get back to work. Um, the, uh, uh, so my next pick, I'm going to pick the new Apple files app. Uh, I, I use it so much. Like I said earlier, iOS 11 and the iPad is a real game changer for me. And I still have to remind myself that the files app exists. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there working on the iPad and I get an email with five attachments, um, I, after all these years of saving them one at a time, now I can just say, oh yeah, just pull the files app to the right side of the screen with split screen. You use the favorites. It has a favorites key in the files tab to get to the folder, the destination folder, then drag and drop them over across. It's, it's almost as fast as doing it on the Mac. And, um, yeah, I, I know that sounds like a basic thing, but Apple did make it and they did a good job of it. And I use it every day. You picked Ulysses. I'm going to pick a, a word processing app, but I'm going to go completely the other direction, and I'm still going to pick ByWord. Uh, it's an oldie but goodie. It, it hasn't had any significant updates lately, but they always update it you know, when they need to. I would say that this is an app that is pretty much feature complete, but it is a simple text editor that does everything I need and everything that I want it to do. And whenever I take my iPad somewhere, um, I'm usually it's usually because I'm taking notes or I, I need to be aware of things. And by 
byword is what I use. I, I pop open the, the keyboard case for my iPad and I, it saves automatically to iCloud. You can set it to save to Dropbox if you want to, but that's where I'm taking notes, usually in markdown format. And it's small, it's efficient and it, it works. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's low. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a low barrier of entry. You just get in, you start typing. All right, for my last pick for the iPad, and it really should have been the first one, but I thought I'd save it for the end for dramatic effect because some people listening at home are going, how come you didn't pick this app yet? It's Workflow. Workflow is to me almost, it's almost part of the operating system. And the, the joke is they got purchased by Apple, so it probably is going to become part of the operating system in some form or another. But Workflow allows me to do a lot of things on the iPad faster than I even do them on the Mac, which is something I never thought would have been possible. And we've covered a lot on the show. I'm not going to go into my specific workflows, but it is an amazing set of tools for the iPad. Since you picked the Files app, I figured standard stock apps were were game. Anything you want, Katie Floyd iPad apps. I'm going to pick Safari. I mean, I know Safari is available on the Mac and on the iPhone, but I really enjoy using Safari on the iPad because I have found that the iPad is um, so in my my house, my office is upstairs and um, my office is really the only thing that's upstairs. It's kind of an upstairs bonus room. And when I'm upstairs, I'm working and the iPad is my downstairs computer. You know, if I, if I want to get work done, I come upstairs and I, and I go to work, but when I'm downstairs, I'm, I'm using the iPad. And so if I'm searching the web or if I want to go shopping or if I want to go browse something, that's what I'm using is on the iPad. And more often than not, I'm just surfing the internet and reading articles and doing other things. Um, and the iPad is my preferred method for doing that. And Safari has gotten pretty great on the iPad. Yeah. It's amazing to me how many apps that have, um, or how many services that have apps for the iPhone don't bother with Safari. And instead they just let you use the web services if you were sitting at a computer and it works just fine on the iPad that way. That's because of Safari and the power that it has. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Fujitsu and the ScanSnap line of document scanners. One thing that's never going to end is the endless amount of paper being thrown at us. And getting that stuff digitized is something we all need to handle. Well, that's why we have the Fujitsu ScanSnap. The ScanSnap is an excellent document scanner that can take care of paper for you. One of the things I love about the ScanSnap scanners is their dual scan. They've got a scanner both on the front and the back. So when you put a double-sided piece of paper through it, it gets both sides of the paper with one go. No matter what your needs are, Fujitsu's got the right ScanSnap for you. From the iX500, which is the one that sits on top of your desk like the one I use, down to the iX100, which looks like a wand you can stick in your briefcase or your glove box and get scans anywhere you go. Something I'd like to talk about today with the Fujitsu ScanSnap, if you haven't tried it and you've got one of the iX series, is getting wireless scanning working in your home. Fujitsu's done a lot of work on this lately, and it's really coming along. For about six months now, I have taken my Fujitsu ScanSnap out of my office and put it downstairs in the house, in our laundry room of all places. And I'm using the Fujitsu ScanSnap cloud service. So because the iX500 can communicate with the internet, I can have it automatically upload scans uh, that I make in the laundry room up to the cloud, which then using the Fujitsu rules allows it to drop it right into my Dropbox. 
Now, the beauty of this is I've got my shredder and my recycle bin right in the same room. So as the mail comes into the house, I'm able to scan, shred, recycle, do all the things I need to do with the mail before it ever makes it into the rest of the house. Because, you know, once you get mail in your house, it takes on a life of its own. I, I really like this service. Best of all, my whole family understands how to do it because with the Fujitsu, all you do is you put the mail in the tray and press the blue button. So now I've got my wife and kids processing mail for me too, which never happened when I had the scanner upstairs. Anyway, it's a great service. If you already have a Fujitsu ScanSnap or if you're thinking about getting one, I recommend you give the Fujitsu ScanSnap Cloud a try. If you don't have your own document scanner, it's time to get one. Uh, check out the Fujitsu ScanSnap at budurl.me slash SSMPU and make sure to let the folks know at Fujitsu you heard about it from the Mac Power users. So let's let's go ahead and round out our our iPad category. Um, you wanted to do a section on iPad accessories. I like the way you say that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this will become self evident in a little minute. So um, tell me, David, about all your iPad accessories. Uh, well, uh, I really love the Apple Pencil. I mean, I think it really upped the game of the iPad. With the, the iPad Pro plus the Pencil, uh, gives you a lot of options you didn't have otherwise. So that's that it's a pretty remarkable uh, improvement over any prior stylus that they made for the iPad. So I, I have it with me all the time. I know you like to get them and sell them and I don't know what you do with them. You know, I, Apple pencil black market or something, but, but I always keep it with me. I've got two iPads and I always carry it back and forth. You can, by the way, if just in case you are wondering, you can use one pencil with two iPads. You just have to pair it with them. With the one as you switch between them, but that doesn't take any longer than plugging it in, and you get a little charge for that. But I just I use it all the time. I use it to manipulate the interface. I use it when I'm sitting in Starbucks and going through my OmniFocus list. Um, I use a several applications that let me use handwriting and turn it into text. I I just I find a lot of uses for it, and I'm a very visual person. So when I'm sitting down talking to somebody about a a legal problem or outlining a book or something, I, I may just start drawing a diagram. And the Apple Pencil has allowed me to kind of move to that digital form almost exclusively. So it's great. I don't currently own an Apple Pencil. I have in the past. I used it. You were thinking about getting one, though, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I was. I used it once or twice. And then I stuck it in my, um, you know, I have a little pencil cup here on my desk. I stuck it in my pencil cup. And then every time I went to think about using it again, it was dead. So then I had to stick it, you know, in the back of the iPad and charge it. And then I was over it. And anyway, so then I sold it. I'm thinking about getting one because, you know, now it's it's even better than before, supposedly, with iOS 11 and all these other things. No, it's not supposedly. It is better. Yeah. I mean... The new iPads have the five higher uh, screen refresh. It's better, and and now you can get them refurbished for eighty five bucks. So you can you can save a little money on one. That's it's, which is a decent you know knockdown on a on a hundred dollar product. I, I don't currently have one. I did I did put one on my Christmas wish list if someone wanted to buy me one, but I haven't um I I, I haven't yet pulled the trigger to buy myself one. You sound so excited. I'm thinking about it, but it's. There, there are other things that are higher on my priority list than an Apple Pencil. Do, do you have any iPad accessories you like? I Yes, I have one iPad accessory that I use and that I really like. But I, you, this is a, a top four episode and I, I only have one. So I guess it is a top four episode because I'm breaking the rules. Okay. So what is your one though? I mean, it must be special. It is very special. I love the Apple Smart Keyboard Case. 
I the did smart cover. The smart yeah. cover. The smart keyboard cover. Well, I don't even know what its name is, but you know what I'm talking about. The the thing that's got the keyboard built in it. I did not think I would like this because I I, I tend to like more clicky clackier keyboards, and this certainly is not that. But I love having a keyboard with me for the iPad wherever I go and then just being able to fold it away and stick it in my purse. Um, external keyboards are probably better in every way, except for the fact that they're not always there and that it's one additional thing that you have to to carry with you. And and the fact that this, it, although it adds some extra bulk to the iPad, the, the fact that I can just grab my iPad and unfold it and have a keyboard case right there and then fold it back up and stick it in my purse or stick it in my notebook sleeve and and know that I'm done and I've got a keyboard with me wherever has is, is been a game changer to the way that I use the iPad. I use the iPad so much more now because of the keyboard case than I did before because I can fly on that keyboard case. Yeah, and the nice thing is it's magnetic. So when you want it to be uh, just an iPad without a keyboard attached, you just yank it off. And with some of these third-party keyboard cases, they they turn the iPad into a laptop and it's like a big deal to get it back out of there. Um, so I, I think it is a great device. The the only question for people should be is, are you comfortable typing on that vinyl keyboard? And some people love it. Some people hate it. I would recommend going to the store and playing with it before you buy one, but it's pretty great. That was one of my picks too. Uh, another one of my picks is, uh, is a sleeve. I, I have a sleeve for my, um, iPad that I put it in and it allows me to put it in any bag that I take it with, uh, which is great because uh, I'm always going on little day trips or taking my bike out and uh, the sleeve makes all the difference in the world. I don't feel the need to put my iPad in a sleeve. Now, I, I do have the keyboard, the smart cover on the front, and I did just get a very inexpensive knockoff Amazon plastic cover for the back just to give it some back protection. But I don't feel the need to do anything more than that to protect my iPad. Yeah, I well, I, I do. Uh, I have a whole system. So like when I go, when I'm going out to, sometimes I'll work at Disneyland or Starbucks or whatever, or even just going out for a day of client meetings. I have the Dash sleeve from Waterfield. Uh, it's 89 bucks. It's cheaper than the Apple sleeve. And, and in my opinion, better in every way. You know, Apple has that sleeve they sell. Um, this one has a zippered pouch, so you can put in there, uh, a cable, your Apple pencil, you know, I put in there, a, a cliff bar or some, you know, something to eat. If I'm going to be out, I might get hungry. Um, I also put my reading glasses. That's right. Start pushing, you know, start getting your forties and you'll want reading glasses. Uh, so the, um, and I put all that in there, it's padded. So the thing is really protected. And then it's just got a little like, um, it's got a little elastic band you pull over the top to secure the iPad in there. And then I can throw that into a backpack or into the panniers on my bicycle or anything. And it's totally protected in there. And I've got a little bit of extra supplies too. And it adds almost no bulk. So I, uh, I really am happy with that as, as in, as something I use on my iPad. Uh, so we were talking about four favorite things for iPad accessories. Katie only had one. I only had three, really. I started thinking, well, I could talk about batteries, but I never need a battery for my iPad. 10 hours is enough for me. Uh, then I got thinking, well, what about the camera connection? I don't need that either because I use Apple's photos and my iPhone to take most pictures and the photos just appear magically. And, you know, they've got the USB connection kit and I don't connect anything to a USB. It just works as it is. And, and I think that's kind of one of the reasons why I love the iPad so much is it is a very much self-contained experience. And if you can live within those boundaries, it's a, it's a pretty great experience. So there you go. 
Well, I think that wraps us up for the iPad. Let's switch over to the iPhone and talk about iPhone apps. And I couldn't help but notice we both had the same number one pick for iPhone apps. Yeah, Overcast. I I mean, I do a lot of... um, Whenever I'm not doing something that requires my brain, uh, I like to listen to podcasts. And Overcast is my favorite podcast player. It's it's mine as well. We might as well go ahead and tag team this. I tend to listen to my podcasts at um, at variable speeds. Some of them I can listen to at double speed. Some of, most of them I listen to at about one and three quarter speed. But I listen to a ton of t- podcasts. And unfortunately, or actually, I shouldn't say that. I can't believe I said that. Fortunately, I have a very very short commute. I used to have a longer commute. Can you imagine anybody saying, "Unfortunately, Mike, I don't have a long commute." Um, but one of the downsides of not having a long commute is I don't get to listen um, to to as many podcasts as I used to when I had a longer commute. And so in order for me to, I, I either had to cut podcasts or I had to start finding other ways to listen to them. So I listen to podcasts now as I'm getting ready in the morning. I listen to podcasts in the shower. I listen to podcasts as I'm cooking dinner. I listen to podcasts in the car. Um, you know, I listen to podcasts when I'm doing chores. And I also listen to podcasts at faster than normal speed using using both the the, the, the speed slider um, as well as the reduced silences. And that's been a, a game changer for me. There's another one that we both picked, and that's our calendar app. Well, we both picked Fantastical. Um, being able now, I use Fantastical as a menu bar calendar on my Mac and on my iOS devices. But when I'm using a full fledged calendar on my Mac, I still prefer BusyCal, which is weird that I'm still living the two calendar lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with that. Apple set it up in a way that you can use whatever calendar app you want. Yeah, which is nice. But um, I still use Fantastical um, on my iPhone. It's just the quick entry. Um, natural language processing they have is so good. Uh, I can type in, you know, record podcast with David at 6 p.m. on Wednesday or Tuesday, I guess. And boom, it's it's on my calendar and and done. Yeah, that's great. It, it's 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 great both on the and on the iPad as well. I should have mentioned it there because they, they really jumped in with both feet with drag and drop. So it's got some some great drag and drop features, too. The the one thing I I always wish they could add, but it's they're not allowed to, is the way the built-in calendar app shows you the day of the month. You know, you can just look at it and say Tuesday the eighth or whatever. And um, but you know, I don't even miss that. I, I now I just keep Fantastic on my dock, and every time I need to do something with a calendar, I open that application up. Um, okay, so there's a couple though we both picked on our list of four that were not matches. Um, mine was it's kind of a generic list, but I'll I'll say camera slash ProCam. Camera is the built-in camera app, and ProCam is kind of one of my favorite third-party apps to to give me good pictures. Um, I I am definitely one of those people that thinks of the iPhone as much of a as a camera as I do a phone. And, uh, you know, with my family, I love to take pictures of fun things that we do together. And the iPhone is just so amazing at it. And I, I really love that feature. So I, I picked an interesting one and it's, it's got a very specific use case, but we've both talked about it before. And that's the Ruby receptionist app. You and I, um, both have our own practices and we, because we're solo, we both went with a virtual receptionist service for answering our phone calls. And I think that's something that's really important because I want my clients to get an actual live human being who will talk to them and can schedule appointments for me and can send me messages, you know, as opposed to, 
um, you know, necessarily, you know, just getting press one for, you know, whatever, or just getting voicemail and then feeling like they have to move on. So um, I opted to use Ruby Receptionist, which is a, a great virtual receptionist service. I've been very happy with them, but they're also very up on technology and they have an iOS app that will let you do all kinds of things. So especially if you're like me and David, you're an office of one, they'll host your number and you can just use their app to make calls directly from your iPhone through their app. And I don't know, they've, they've got this virtual number porting thing where when you make calls through their app, it, it shows your business phone calling as opposed to your cell phone calling. So your, your clients don't have to get your actual cell phone number. So it, it keeps you from having to buy a separate phone system or a separate phone service. Um, and you can set status and tell them when you're going to be out. So they can say, oh, well, I'm sorry, Katie's in court right now, but she should be back in the office around three. You know, So it sounds like they're actually someone in my office who's knowing what I'm doing. And I can control all of that through through their app. So I'm I've really happy with, with Ruby and that's what I'm using. Yeah, it makes sense. I I'll pick the, as my last uh, favorite app for the phone is the Apple health suite of apps. You know, they've got the, the, the workout tracker and they've got the health app. Um, I have really uh, in the last, you know, I've been trying to get healthier and um, every day I walk and do all those things. And I really think the Apple, uh, the Apple applications they have on the phone combined with a watch really encourage you to do stuff like that. And I, I think they're well-made apps. You know, you want to see where Apple's putting its effort these days. Look at the health apps. I mean, they're designed very nicely. They show good information. They also inspire you to try and get better. I um, I really like those applications. Yeah, I guess my last pick, and it's, it's kind of one that we love and one that we love to hate. I'm going to pick the Apple Mail app because it's probably one of the apps that I use most frequently on my iPhone. But it just allows me to check in and, and see what's going on and knock things down and give quick replies. I think it's the only thing that allows me to stay on top of my email and keep it manageable because I can I can do it while I'm on the go. And it, it needs a lot of improvement. There there are a lot of things that, that it could learn, you know, and, and there are a lot of additional features that could go in there. And we've seen some of them third-party clients try to do that. But I always end up coming back to Apple Mail because it's always the one that has the most consistent experience for me. Okay, so that's uh, four down for iPhone apps. Yes, so let's talk about iPhone accessories. Um, you've got some some interesting ones. I think mine are more, I was going to say practical, but... <laughs> well, Katie, doesn't that just sum up the show? It really does. Honestly. It really does. <laughs> it does. The, uh, okay, so iPhone accessories. My first, my favorite one, uh, my most recent acquisition, uh, Studio Neat. And these guys actually do a podcast on Relay, uh, which is name I forget. Thoroughly uh, considered. Thoroughly considered. And they, uh, but they, they're uh, two guys that make cool stuff. And it's the Glyph uh, tripod stand for the iPhone this is the third. This is the third one I bought from them. They they keep iterating it as the iPhone design changes. Well, this third one is amazing because it it's got a, a little lever in it, and it just it opens and closes to fit the phone, whether what no matter what size phone you have, whether or not you have a case on it, and it it's rock solid once you push down the lever, and it's got a bunch of different tripod mounting points, and it fits in your jeans pocket. So. Uh, it's an easy way to get your your iPhone mounted on a tripod or anything that has a tripod screw on it. And because I like photography in my iPhone, this is something that I carry around with me all the time. I love it. Uh, it's a great, uh, great uh, purchase. I actually went all in when they sold it, and you can still get it on their website. I'm looking right now. You can get it with a little wooden handle, 
which is really nice um, because the iPhone does such a good job with um, video, like uh, uh, the, uh, you know, the stabilization on the iPhone native app is amazing. So if you're walking down the street and shooting video, it, it's very much stabilized. So you put this wooden handle on it and just carry it down. Uh, you're doing great. Uh, it's amazing to me how far video has come with the uh, the iPhone app. I'm kind of like rambling with this because I'm not. Uh, really yeah, sure. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, but the, it was, I guess the so going back, if you took video with your phone, it was very jiggly. You know, every time you moved at all. And Apple has been building this image stabilization into the iPhone camera so much so that I've got, you know, I've got that fancy um, uh, plug in device for my iPhone that, that's got a, a nicer camera. The Doxo. Yeah, the DXO. And uh, and I was doing some comparison and I don't use the DXO for video anymore because the iPhone natively takes better video than the DXO, even though the DXO one has a, a better sensor. Uh, the image stabilization on the iPhone more than makes up for it. So you attach a glyph with one of these handles and you can take great video of your kids or grandkids or just your dog uh, walking around. And it's pretty remarkable how good it is compared to what we got just a few years ago. So my pick is going to be the AirPods. We've already talked about them, so I won't spend a ton of time, but I agree with you. The AirPods have been game changers. Uh, I don't carry them around with me as often as you do, but I probably need to start doing that. Um, I think because I work outside of the house, I have an office outside of the house that I go to and I don't take my AirPods with me there, but I use the AirPods all the time after hours and on the weekends. I like walking with them. I like going to the gym with them. I like taking phone calls with them. Um, I kind of, I, I know it defeats the purpose. I kind of wish I had a, a work pair and a home pair. I guess there's no reason I couldn't, um, or I should probably just stick the AirPods in my purse and, and be done with it and let those be my my uh, headphones that I travel around with everywhere. But but they're the only headphones that I want to use that I ever want to use. I don't ever want to have to buy another pair of headphones again because I only want to use the AirPods. Well, I, I I agree with you, and AirPods are on my top four as well. The only thing I would say is if you do a lot of traveling on airplanes, you're going to want to get noise canceling. And these aren't always canceling. So that, that'd be the second pair you would have. Um, and then I will add on to that. My next pick is another photography-related uh, device. It's called the Loom Cube, L-U-M-E-C-U-B-E. And I bought this, I think they did like a Kickstarter a couple of years ago. And it's this little device. Um, it's very small. And it, it fits in your pocket. And it's a light. It's an LED light, but it's got a nice warm glow to it. And one of the problems with, shooting uh, photography with the iPhone or frankly, any camera is getting the appropriate light at night. If you shoot a flash, a lot of times people get blown out. There's no like side lighting or backlighting, but with this loom cube in your pocket, you just take it out, you turn it on, you can put it behind them. They've got an app where you can sync the flash. So it'll flash at the same time that you take a picture. But I, the way I use it is I just use it as a backlight. I turn it on and then I take a picture with the light on behind the person or to the side of the person. Like, you know, family pictures, if we're out at night, I'll put us back at Disneyland because we're there quite often. Um, so we'll just put hold it out to the side. And so it's shooting a light across their faces as I take the picture with the iPhone. And I get a really nice picture. And uh, this thing, once again, fits in my pocket. All my photography gear has to fit in my jeans pocket or it doesn't make the cut. Uh, so my next pick, uh, th these kind of go hand in hand, but my next one is an Anchor battery. I, I love Anchor. They make great products. I've got a number of their 
various products, but a battery. Everybody should have some kind of backup iPhone battery. And it was funny when we had the hurricanes a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I think I took a picture of them. I'll see if I can find it. But I had all of these batteries charged and ready to go. And then luckily, we never lost power here. So I never had to use them. Um, but I'm a big fan of these. I think you should have two. My two favorite ones are, there's, a, I think I call it the candy bar battery, but it's a, it's kind of the size of a fun size candy bar. And it's got enough to charge an iPhone at least twice and it it's but it's small enough to fit in your pocket and so that's that's a great battery to have it's it's very it'll fit in your pocket it'll fit in your hand it's very comfortable that's like the battery that you want to take to disney world because you don't have to you know worry about it being bulky and then i have a much bigger battery that will charge an iphone like 10 or 11 times and that's the battery and it has a couple of usb ports and that's the battery that you want to have when you go camping or when you go traveling because everybody's going to be topping off so that's my favorite accessories do you know the story of Johnny Appleseed? Okay. Where are we going here? Do you know? I mean, I don't know. I mean, some people, so Johnny Appleseed was the, I don't know if this is a thing that we just talk about in California or if it's all over the country, but Johnny Appleseed was, he'd walk around and give apple seeds so people could plant their oh, apple trees. Yeah. Okay. And so that's what we do is we give batteries now. Got it. Yeah. That's, if I was Johnny, I would be Johnny battery seed because I, I love these batteries so much. One of my daughter's uh, friends, I mean, I've known this kid since he was very small and he was going to do study in France and we're, he was leaving like the next day. And I said, well, you got a battery for your phone, right? And he's like, no. And I, I gave him mine. I'm like, okay, here you go. Take this with you. They're like 20 bucks to buy a new one. It's not a big deal. And, uh, and he came back from France six months later and he, and he thanked me. He said, I use that every day. I don't know how I would have got by without it. I, you know, I, I don't know how people get by without these batteries because, because these devices do use a lot of power and having that extra charge in your pocket is, is great. So what's your next pick? I only have one more. Oh, okay. Well, because I I I uh, I said me too on AirPods. Okay. But the uh, the last one is a fun pick, uh, iPhone accessory. It's the Sphero stuff. They've got BB-8. They've got R2-D2. I don't have one yet, but I've heard from many listeners who are sending me pictures of their R2-D2s telling me about it and sending me videos. And I thank you all for just making me jealous. But we have a lot of listeners with the R2-D2. So, but it's just kind of a cool, fun toy that works with the iPhone. And it's a good example of how you can have fun with the iPhone. So that's, that's a cool accessory, the Sphero stuff. Um, well, I'll just pick one more then. I have this cable that I really like. Uh, it is a retractable cable, so it keeps the cable all nice and neat because I don't care how you do it. You put a cable in a bag or a purse and it will be tangled by the time you're done with it. And so it's retractable. It's all nice and compact, but it's a micro USB cable with a lightning tip on the end. So you have every cable you need in one nice little compact package. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Balance. Balance are the team behind Balance for Mac. This is the app that's helping you monitor all of your bank accounts and card transactions. The Balance folks have also launched Balance Open. This is a free open source Mac app for checking Coinbase. And if you don't know what that is, Coinbase is a popular marketplace for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Balance Open is the best open source digital wallet to help you find and track everything. So if you're not familiar with this kind of stuff, that's okay. The folks over at Balance want to help you learn about cryptocurrencies, and they're going to do that by helping to start get you on your way. So the first 1,000 people that 
go to bal.money slash relay. That's B-A-L dot money slash relay. will receive $2 in Ethereum currency for free as a gift from Balance. So go check it out today, find out more, and try out Balance Open. And our thanks to Balance for their support of this show. All right. So the only thing we haven't really talked about yet are web services. There's more than that, Katie. Oh, there's a lot. All right. Uh, well, anyway, I, uh, okay, let me go. Uh, I am a big fan of Trello. We've talked about it a little bit on the show. I have not covered it in detail on the show, but Trello is a, it's kind of a project management service. I, I have a, a subscription now as I've been uh, getting some people to help me remotely. Uh, Trello is a great way to track those projects. It's not a replacement for OmniFocus, at least for me, but it is a great way to work with people. We'll do. We'll have more on this. It's, there's more to cover than I can really explain in a few minutes, but it is a Max Sparky approved. So uh, I'm going to pick Calendly. Calendly is a calendaring and scheduling application. It it is not perfect, but it's the best that I found so far. And best of all, it it integrates with uh, Ruby, so Ruby can schedule for me. But what it does is it um, allows people to schedule with you on your calendar. So clients can schedule appointments with me based on my availability, and then it will automatically send them um, customized responses confirming their appointment and letting them know what the next steps are. So, for example, you know, if I need them to fill out a questionnaire before they come or if I want them to let them know what my billing and processes are, you know, it does all of that. It sends out reminders before the appointment. Um, so it, it's dramatically reduced my no-show rate, um, and it just takes a lot of the hassle out of calendaring. I, I use it not only for scheduling client appointments, but I also use it for scheduling social appointments with people. So I have Calendly set up for coffee. I have Calendly set up for lunch. I have Calendly set up for you know just miscellaneous appointments and phone calls in the office. Um, and it's great for for me to say you know hey I need to schedule a phone call with somebody. But rather than back and forth of, are you available here? No, how about here? No, how about here? No, how about here? It's just, hey, we need to schedule a phone call. Let me know if you have a, I have a text expander snippet. You know, let me know if you have a specific time in mind. But if not, um, you know, the fastest way to get on my calendar is to click using this link. And then they just go in and they pick a time that works on their calendar and boom, it's scheduled and it sends them a link and me a link and, and we're done. That's nice. I, I should really look into that. Um, the, the next one, you and I have kind of have dueling cloud office services as picks. I, I'm going to pick Quip. Uh, I've been using it for some other, I used it with Brett on the 60 Tips book. I'm using it on a couple other projects now. I'm doing some screencasting for a few companies. And uh, I continue to be impressed with the way it, it works and the way it looks. It's just so much cleaner than what I've been doing with Google Docs. So it's a great web service. Yeah, we talked a lot about that on a... The last ep- the episode with Brett, I think, about 60 tips. Um, another one I will pick is Harvest. I've been using Harvest for all of my billing in my new practice. It allows me to track my time and then at the end of the month generate, you know, nice invoices that I send to my clients electronically and that they can then pay with a credit card and those credit card payments are processed through Stripe. So I don't have to do anything. The invoices are generated. I sometimes will go in and tweak them. It will automatically email the clients. It will follow up if the bills aren't paid within a certain amount of time. Um, it, it's a, it has cut my billing time way down. I mean, it used to take me at least a full day, if not more, as, as well as my legal assistant to get all of our bills out at the end of the month. And now it's a process that's down to a couple of hours, if not less. It's awesome. That's another one where you can use a text expander snippet with a tab key. So like in the, when you're sending the invoice out, you go in the subject line, 
type the snippet, put the, you can use text expander. We'll know what month it is. So it can put in the, here's the, you know, here's the October invoice, hit the tab key. And then you can have like check boxes for different scenarios. I, I, I do that through text expander really fast uh, invoicing. But uh, my pick, uh, I'm going to pick uh, the darling of the internet, Slack. Um, you know, we, uh, we kept hearing about Slack from listeners a year or two ago. We started using it uh, regularly. Katie and I use it as a back end for communications between the two of us that are show related and it works really great. Um, I'm in several Slack groups now and uh, I am really digging it. You know, it's kind of like a private little meeting room and it's easy to set up. Anybody can do it, whether you're running a, you know, whether you're running a, a, a tech business or a, you know, broom pushing business, it doesn't matter. It works for everybody and they've got good apps. I'm not real happy with their emoji support, but um, other than that, it's pretty great. Uh, I'm going to pick Google Docs. I know you picked Quip, but and I know Google Docs doesn't have great support on on iOS. And uh, Google Docs, though, has really changed the way that we do the show. It changes the way that I interact with other people. I, I think like Dropbox, Google Docs has become fairly universal now. Most people know what a Google Doc link is. They know what to do with Google Docs. They know how to collaborate in Google Docs. Uh, and I think that's been a game changer. For my last web service pick, I'm going to pick uh, Grammarly. G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y. It's a uh, just a great little thing you can put your text into. It does a lot more, you know, like grammar checkers got kind of a bad reputation. If you think back the old days, the Microsoft Word had these grammar checkers that were annoying and didn't really work. Grammarly does a much better job. And the thing I've learned that now that I've been using it a while is it, it's even better because it start it. It keeps track of me, you know, it's, 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 I guess that's creepy, but it, it knows the mistakes I make most common. I got a report the other day saying that, you know, I do this, this is the most common mistake I make. And, um, and I thought, you know, they're right. And I went and read up on that problem and hopefully I won't make that mistake as much anymore, but it's a, it's a great little way to, to run your text through before you do anything with it. So I use Grammarly too, and it just thinks I'm a hot mess. It's just like, she don't know, she don't know anything about writing. Don't know what she's trying. Makes you feel better, though, too. Like, it'll tell you, hey, you're using fancier words than 94% of the other people in Grammarly. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Well, what about that 6%, though? Yeah. Uh, if This Then That is probably going to be my next pick. If This Then That are the tubes that connect all the various services on the Internet. And they have kind of started adding support for, you know, conditional things. But it's it's still a little, little programmery to do. I, I wish it would get a little easier. Uh, I use If This Then That. I've got probably a couple dozen different services on If This Then That. Uh, we, I think we've done a show on it, haven't we? Or at least a segment of a show on it. We, we keep threatening to. Well, I've got a, um, what we want to do is a comparison of the services out there. If This Then That isn't the only one. There's a couple others. So um, we will do that in, at some point in the future. And, uh, and I've been playing with them, but I, I'm not as excited about them as I used to be because... A lot of the stuff on phone now is able, like workflow solves a lot of the problems I used to try and solve with if this and that, but there's still a space for this stuff. So, so we'll get back to that. All right. So uh, I added another topic to our list and I know I kind of put you on the spot with, with late timing for this. I thought it might be fun to go back and talk about some of our favorite MPU episodes. And I know this is kind of like picking your favorite children. So I, I will just say these are not necessarily our top four MPU episodes, but four of our favorite MPU episodes. Does that work? Yeah, I found this super difficult. 
uh, looking, I went through and looked at the list of everything we've done in 400 shows and a lot of them I wanted to listen to again. Uh, so it, this was, this was actually really hard for me, <laughs> but why don't we do it anyway? Um, uh, so I'll go first. The, the first one I'm going to pick is, is episode number one, because it was just kind of fun listening to you and I stumble Ugh. over our words. We had no editor back then. Uh, and that was an episode that was originally recorded in one sitting that we split into two because it was too long. Yeah. And, and actually we recorded the entire thing and then we felt like, you know what, let's just do the whole thing over again without giving any specific criticism or, uh, or feedback to each other. We just both felt like the first time we went through, it didn't work. So we, we just literally hit the record button again and started and it actually came out much better. And and I was so glad that we both did that. And because I, I was a little nervous, I was like, will he be offended if I say, could we do it again? <laughs> and and I think I think you were relieved. I don't remember who suggested it, but I think you were relieved and I was relieved. And the second the second version came out much better. So um, I kind of went in reverse order um, going most recent to uh, earliest episode. I really enjoyed episode 370 or excuse me, 367 workflows with Michael Hyatt. I've been a big fan of uh, Michael's work for a long time. I really wish he'd get back into more regular podcasting so I could listen to a podcast. Uh, but that episode was, I think, kind of a best of Michael's workflows. And I, I really thought that was a great one. Yeah, it was. So this is the problem I had. I started at the beginning and I had picked three before I got to 100. So <laughs> so uh, for the second one I pick, and this is kind of a, a watershed moment for us, is when we decided let's have some other people on the show. And the very first time we had a guest was was Merlin, which is why we had him back last week. So episode 23 was our very first workflow guest, Merlin Man, and that was a really fun episode to record. Yeah, you know, I kind of forgot that we started doing those episodes numerically wise so early but um, 23 was still probably more than a year into the show because, I, I, as you recall, the show was biweekly. No, it wasn't even biweekly. Twice it was month. twice a month. Yeah, when we first started. Yeah. When we first started. So there were some times that we'd go three weeks without a show, but it was twice a month. Oh, those were the days, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if I wasn't allowed to do this once a week, I would probably sit down and talk about this stuff to the wall. So I, I don't know. Yeah, might as well. Um, so the next one I picked, again, kind of working backwards, uh, is 272. And David, this was your small business episode where where you started telling us all about um, your Mac-based small business. And the reason that I picked this episode was, first off, because I was just so happy for you and because you were doing what you wanted and it was working so well for you. Free at last, free at last. And I was very happy for you, but also secretly um, – I, you were my canary in the coal mine. And I kept thinking that if this will work for David, this will work for me. And it was, I think about a year later that, that I followed the same path and you were incredibly helpful to me. And I actually went back and listened to that episode a couple of times uh, during the the months that I was making my transition. So I like this episode for so many reasons, not, not only because it was your journey, um, be, but because it was really what helped me along my journey as well. If you crash and burn, then I will, I will say, I told you you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> the um, uh, 82 uh, was a show we did called Cooking Ideas, and I, I still get feedback. You know, it's amazing to me. People find our show and they go back and listen to old shows. And that, that makes sense because we're not really a new show. But I still get emails from people on occasion saying, oh, I, I listened to that 82 about Cooking Ideas and it, it changed my game. And it's it's just one of the workflows I use. 
uh, because I'm kind of slow and dumb. I need to kind of cook ideas over time. And I just kind of went through that episode and explained it. And uh, I still get lots of nice, happy email from people on that one. So I thought I'd include that. Um, we have a lot of a couple of space related episodes. And, and one of the things that I learned is we have absolutely brilliant listeners who listen to this show. Um, and that came out on episode 253, as many other episodes, uh, which was Life on Mars, where we chatted with uh, Dr. Ross Lockwood about uh, spending four months in the NASA simulation where they were trying to figure out what it would be like for humans to live on Mars. And um, we also talked to listeners who have rovers on Mars and we, we, we've got a Mars theme kind of going on our show. Um, and Chelsea, who was on our show um, actually ended up getting a job at NASA. Uh, so we have, there's lots of, we, you know, ooh, what we could do for episode 500, we can go to now. Oh, we could go to Mars, but we could also go to like Cape, you know, the space center or something. Maybe, maybe they'll let us do something like in the space shuttle. You really want to get me back in Florida, don't you? I don't know. I'm just thinking we know people at NASA. Maybe they'll let us do something cool for episode 500. Yeah, who knows? That would be cool. I got I remember getting an email from someone at NASA when the paperless book first came out saying, oh, we're getting ready to set up a paperless system and we're, your book is one of the resources we're looking at. And I got thinking, you mean the people that fire rocket ships are reading what I said about going paperless? That, that, was, a, that was a high point for me. That was a high no point. No pressure there. So anyway, when I was making my picks, I realized I had picked three before I got to 100. So then I went to the very end and started scrolling back. And uh, one of the most recent uh, guest shows that I really enjoyed is Teddy's Fronos. Teddy's a Harvard professor, uh, just a, a really smart guy, nice guy, guitar player, and a um, and a remarkable teacher. And he has all this great Mac nerd stuff he does to help teach his classes. And I thought that was a good a good episode for us. But you know, like like Katie said at the beginning, I really picking four is really hard because I really looking back, there's almost not a bad one among them as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So my last pick was episode 100. And that was um, that was where we decided to live. Thank you, George Starcher, for helping us with this. I don't even think you can do this now because of the way Skype was changed. We live on the show had a number of Mac Power users, listeners queued up. We queued them in. We did not know what they were going to say to talk about some of their amazing workflows. And number one, just the technology behind it to make that work and run that like a live show. Uh, you know, it's, it's like changing the oil in your car while you're driving down the interstate. So that was quite a feat. Uh, but the other one is just getting the submissions in for that show and realizing some of the amazing things that our listeners were doing. Uh, we really do have awesome listeners. And and here we are at 400 because I, I, re I remember sitting there thinking, recording that episode 100. I it was such a milestone. I can't believe we got there. Um, Gene McDonald sent me a mug and I still have it commemorating the show. I can't believe we made it to 100. It was such a milestone. Uh, and here we are at 400. And, you know, uh, 400 doesn't seem like that big of a deal. <laughs> it's just it's just <laughs> another number. We're going to keep going, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would like to start getting back into doing some live stuff. I, I don't know. I'm I'm just spitballing this with Katie on, on air here, but maybe we can figure out a way. Yeah, no pressure. Thanks for putting me on the spot. Yeah, we're getting closer to being able to set a regular time for show recording. Maybe we'll be able to start doing more live stuff. If you're interested in it, let us know on Facebook or send us an email. I mean, if we do it, we want to make sure we have people. If we go to the effort, we want to make sure people are interested in actually showing up. But uh, we may do something with that. Now, the last couple of questions I had, I thought would just be fun. Uh, Katie, I want you to share 
your favorite Star Wars movie, TV, whatever, and I'll share my favorite Star Trek, whatever. So I love Star Wars. Star Wars is probably my second favorite series behind Star Trek. I um, have only really ever watched the big movies, though. I've not gotten into Clone Wars or um, really any of the novels or any of those types of things. I, but I do love the Star Wars movies. And just as I do make it a point to watch all of the Star Trek movies at least once a year, I also make it a point to watch all of the Star Wars movies at least once a year. And that's a little easier to do. Oh, wait, I'm except for the first three. I don't watch the first three once a year. So you only have to watch four now. Yeah, I only have to watch four. Or movies. actually five if you include Rogue One. Anyway, okay. Five, yeah. Um, so I will tell you uh, The Empire Strikes Back. I don't think there's a bad one among them, other uh, among the four and forward. Because um, I don't really count the first three. <laughs> We're just going to pretend those didn't happen. Or the second three that, that are the first number one. Um, I don't think there's a bad one among them between uh, uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and then The Force Awakens and, and Rogue One. Uh, I'm very, very curious about The Last Jedi. I can't wait. We've got our tickets to it. We're going to go see it opening night. Um, but I got to say, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, like so many, uh, is my favorite. Um, just it, It's from start to finish. It's got multiple stories in it. Uh, it's, it, it's my favorite as an adult. It's one of my favorites, but as I think I was 11 when that movie came out and I was so mad at the end of that movie, you know, <laughs> I was like, that's it. I was so, you know, you're a kid and you're so wrapped up in it. And I was so tense and, you know, Han was frozen and Luke was just getting a new hand. And there's all these, you know, that's what the middle act is supposed to do. It's supposed to put them in a terrible spot so they can dig out in the last act. And, uh, but the 11 year old me didn't appreciate that. I was mad when I was at the end of that movie. But as an adult, I love that one too. I don't know that I want to be around you in December because I have a feeling we're going to be back there again. It's going to be hard. And I was just telling my daughter and I, who talk about Star Wars all the time, we were saying, you know, it's rough because we just saw Rogue One. And spoiler alert if you haven't watched it, but a lot of people die at the end of that one. So it's kind of rough. And then we're going to leave that. So we got that last year and this year we're getting the last Jedi. And I'm sure that it's going to be like episode five at the end. All our heroes are going to be in dire straits and um, it's a rough year. So hopefully things get better for them. And then a couple of years when the next ones come out uh, now, see, I had a lot more to choose from uh, picking a favorite. Star the question to you is what is your favorite Star Trek episode? Which which you've got like hundreds to choose from. Yeah, and there's a lot of them. I as we we did a members only show. If you're a member and you haven't listened to that show, Katie and I did a whole like episode on Star Wars and Star Trek. But uh, the Next Generation was my Star Trek. I kind of I really enjoyed it when it was on, and you know I was it, it, for a lot of reasons I like that show. I particularly like Captain Picard, and um there was a lot to choose from. Like even just the last episode when they close it, it was one of the best series finales I've ever seen. And um, they just did an episode of this, by the way, over on incomparable, because I think it's just been 30 years of, of since the next generation premiered. But uh, the one I picked was one called family and it's season four, episode two. And if you saw star Trek, there's a big, at the end of season three, there's a big, you know, event where the Borg are there and Captain Picard gets, you know, kidnapped and, you know, turned to a Borg. And, Into Locutus. Yeah. And then they, they, the first episode of the season four, they resolve that. The best of both worlds. Yeah. They resolve that. And so now Picard has returned to being a human again and he goes home. He goes back to his, his, um, to the winery. I think it was a vineyard that his brother had and, 
And it was just, I mean, by then, if you watch the show, you're totally invested in this character. And and um, Patrick Stewart does an amazing job of, of really dealing with post-traumatic stress, you know, and uh, how is it affecting him? And I, I always felt like that episode really sunk in. And then Wesley Crusher also in that episode, I just watched it recently, so I remember, uh, he, he gets a video of his dead father. And it's like, wow, that episode just tears you up. I loved it. And and Worf receives his family on that episode. They come to visit him and uh, and we we learn kind of a little bit about Worf's background. So we learn all about their various family. Uh, that was that was uh, and it's one that I've seen recently. So I'm sure that influenced my pick. But that is some that's some good Star Trek right there. OK, good pick. Good pick. Hey, you know, before we wrap up episode 400, let's just take a minute to thank. There are so many people we have to thank uh, making the show for all these years, but there's a couple that are really on the top of mind right now. Uh, I guess we should start by thanking Johnny Nittle. Johnny uh, <laughs> wrote music for us that we just stopped using, but Johnny's an amazing composer. Well, we just wanted to kind of go back to our roots, but but thanks, Johnny, for writing music for us. And JF, too. JF helped us with some um, a jazzier version that I think... Katie never really cottoned to, and um, sorry, that's all right. Not be- it wasn't because it wasn't good. It was just I'm not really a jazz person. I, I think it was the wrong music for the show in hindsight, so we didn't keep it very long. But uh, but thanks, Johnny and JF. Uh, we also want to thank Darren Rolf, who did the original "Still I Love" battery uh, logo for Mac Power users. And then when we moved over to uh, Relay, um, our good friend Frank Forgotten Towel uh, did updated versions of the current artwork that you you know and love, still incorporating the battery. Um, but I I love the battery. That's what we told him. We said you can do whatever you want, but you got to keep the battery. Uh, and just while we're talking about networks, uh, Dan Benjamin. Mike Hurley, Stephen Hackett, all the people that have helped us put the show on networks over the years and, and help get it out to more people. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I We also have to say a big thanks to Mark Miles, because if you heard the unedited version of the show, you would laugh. Uh, we, we step all over each other. We, we twist our tongues and we do all kinds of things. Um, David's phone rings and Mark is the one who makes us seem uh, any little bit coherent at all. So uh, thank you, Mark, for listening to the show all the way through, probably laughing hysterically at us and making us come out sounding all the better. Thanks, JT, who's been uh, helping us out with show notes when he can. It's much appreciated. I think the shows he does always have the best show notes, and uh, we appreciate it. Um, And if you like the Mac Power Users Facebook group, uh, and if you don't, you definitely should, uh, you have Rose to thank for that. David and I started it, but Rose is the person who is in there day on and day out moderating it, making sure that it is a uh, a fun place, um, that things stay on point, that there's no shenanigans going on in there. Uh, And I know it takes a lot of time and effort and because every time I go in there and and try to look at something or or address something, uh, I see that Rose has already been there and and done her her job there. So uh, I, I call it a job. She doesn't get paid. She's just pure volunteer. But but thank you, Rose, for for doing that that great service. Yeah, I, I want to thank all of the sponsors over the years. Uh, we have been very fortunate to have great sponsors on the Mac Power Users, and uh, it allows us to just talk about products and services that we really believe in and like. And um, it has really allowed you know uh, this show is part of the reason I was able to escape the law firm and and Katie too and. Uh, you know, we, we can, the reason we get to show 400 is because we have people helping, you know, make it happen. And those sponsors are, are all critical. 
And and while we're at it, we do have to say a special thank you to Jean McDonald. Uh, Jean now run Apps Camp for Girls, but formerly uh, worked for Smile, uh, and she was a very is a very very dear friend. Um, and Jean was really the first person who reached out to us and said, "Hey, um, you have y'all ever thought about sponsorship?" And David and I said to her, "Well, how how exactly would that work?" Which is completely the wrong question to ask someone that that you want to go into a business relationship. What was completely the right question to ask Jean because we knew her, we loved her, we trusted her, and we've just had an amazing relationship uh, with her. So uh, I don't know that there would still be a Mac Power users if Jean hadn't reached out and made that happen. And finally, thank you, dear listener, for listening to the show every week and sending us your email and Twitter comments. Uh, it's this, this show is a dialogue and a community, as the Facebook group proves, and, uh, and we really... We're all this. We're all in this together, and we we love you guys for listening. Thank you. And we should say thanks to our sponsors for this episode: Smile, Squarespace, Fujitsu, and Balance. And we will see you all next week for episode four hundred and one. Mm-hmm.